0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Pleasure and privilege to share again with you this morning. Um, Yes, I have a, a little bit, maybe a little bit more than a little bit, but the fear of the Lord for this message, this message is a call message is directional, this message is formational, and uh, this message is absolutely under cover and authority to Pastor Tom. This is not something I've come up with on my own, so I'm very, very excited for this message. This message is going to be either an example of God pointing out great boldness and uh, uh, Humble confidence, or it will be an example of how someone performed in their own confidence hopefully it 's not that if you 'd stand with me we 'll go right into the text this is acts four twenty three through thirty three we 're going to talk about the power of united prayer this morning on their release. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests And the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Let's pray. Lord, we are looking to you and crying out to you. Would you come and shake us this morning? Would you come and pour out your spirit that we would boldly testify of your goodness and your saving grace through your son, Jesus? Would you come and heal our hearts and heal this land? And would you stretch out your mighty hand and perform signs and wonders? Lord, we cannot do any of this on our own. Would you come and teach us? Would you come and empower us? Would you come pour out your spirit and speak your words today? Would your words, Jesus, go deep into our hearts? Would they call us forth? Would they transform us? Would they direct us? And would they transform us individually and as this body in Jesus' name? Okay, so power... Of united prayer. Before we talk the, pow- the power of united prayer, we need to talk about the power of prayer. And before we talk about the power of prayer, let's just talk a little bit quickly about what prayer is. Prayer is just conversation with God, right? Prayer is just communicating and talking with, with God, who we're in relationship with. It's not about us saying the right words or even knowing exactly what to say. It's just talking with him. He's our friend. He's closer than a brother. And we're in relationship with him because of Jesus and his blood. So it's just its just talking. It's just in relationship with him. Imagine for a second what it would be like if I took my wife out on a date, and the whole time I didn't talk with her. I just was kind of consumed with what I was eating, kind of looking around the restaurant, seeing who was there. Maybe I'm telling her what I'm going to do when we're done, and telling her what she should do, like she should do the laundry and clean up because I'm going to go do this. And, and, and How many know that would be a really bad date? And I would be in big trouble. But how often do we do that sort of thing with with our relationship with God? Where we sit down with him, but we're not even like paying attention to him. We're not even talking with him. We're looking around maybe. And maybe we're just telling him the things that we want him to do for us. Because we're going to go do this thing. And so we need him to do X, Y, and Z so we can go do this. I mean, I know I've prayed all sorts of prayers like that. But God is so gracious and so merciful and understanding. But he is jealous. And not at jealous in how we're jealous, but jealous in his love that absolutely nothing is going to come in between him and us and our relationship with him. So in his mercy he actually has lots of feelings towards the things that come in the way. Not wrath towards his people but jealous anger towards the things that trap and betray and come in between so it's just important for us to remember that we are actually in relationship with God and that he longs to hear our voices he longs to see our face because he says they're so lovely they're so sweet I mean he made them he loves his hand we work. He calls us his masterpieces, and he wants to gaze upon our faces. He wants to hear our voices. He wants to hear our concerns. Nothing's too great or small. We know that up here, but sometimes it doesn't translate in the moment, right? But so, prayer is just about that interaction, that conversation with God. God. So we could just say instead of prayer, just talking with our best friend. So moving on to power of prayer, why is talking with God so powerful? I mean, we know Ephesians 6. We love Ephesians 6. Finally be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. And then it goes on with the arm or the helmet, the breastplate, the shield, the belt, the shoes, the sword. I'm going to skip down to 18. It says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. This is the empowerment. When prayer becomes powerful, where prayer becomes a weapon is when it changes and shifts from from dialoguing and have a conversation to just normal casual conversation to this is what's going on. We need you, God. I need you, God, to move. Because we understand that it's not about our strength and ability to stand against the attacks of the enemy, it's He is our defender. He is our avenger. He is the one that fights our battles. So prayer becomes so powerful because we're calling on the God of angel armies to rise up on our behalf. And he's like, gladly. Gladly. Glad you asked. Glad you asked. Prayer is our main weapon of spiritual warfare. Without it, I don't know that all the other things would really function or be empowered. It's almost like the, the, the rest of our armor is empowered by our prayers. And again, not that we say the right words or pray the exact right prayers. It's not like, oh, Joe said the right thing. This is unlocks everything. It's about our heart being in line with his will and his heart. power of prayer. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James 5.16. Okay, you're like, that sounds awesome for righteous people, Joe. I I don't think I'm very righteous because I'm, first of all, I'm not really talking to God that much. And second of all, I know he knows what I just did. And that wasn't very righteous. Well, here, here's, here's the thing about that verse. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective because we are God's righteousness. It's Jesus' blood that's made us righteous. It's not anything we've done to make us righteous, right? It's not, oh, Joe prayed in tongues enough and worshipped in his office loudly enough this week Righteous. No. It's the blood of Jesus that has atoned for every wrong thing that I've done and that you have done. That makes us righteous. That enables us to stand before Him as His children. And as children, we have been adopted. We have everything that he has. We his house is our house. His refrigerator is my refrigerator. I go in there, I'm I'm I want some chocolate milk. Okay, boom. (laughs) It's not with arrogance, it's with humble confidence. It's that boldness that we can approach him because we know he's good and we know we're safe with him. And we know that the enemy is about to get his butt whooped because we're going to dad. It's his righteousness that allows us to approach him and his great love for us that makes those prayers so powerful and effective. There is a mystery to it. There's no equation, right? We know that. Otherwise, every prayer would be answered immediately. Every healing would happen automatically. It, would, it, it just, there's not an equation. Otherwise, we would have figured it out. We've been trying to figure it out since Adam and Eve. Joshua 23, 9 and 10 says, The Lord has driven out before you great, and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. Have I routed out a thousand? Have you sent a thousand? It's not what it says. It says, The Lord has driven out great and powerful nations One of you routes a thousand because the Lord, your God, fights for you. Just as he promised. Let's not not fall into doubt and hopelessness when we don't understand, when we don't see, when we don't know why things are not happening, when and how we think. But let's continue standing, trusting that God is in control. And his sovereignty is unfolding before us. His will, his plan is. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not an enemy fighting, and that doesn't mean that there's not a place for spiritual warfare. But as we unfold this message a little more, you'll see it is so much less of us and our passion and wills to war, and all about crying out to the God of the universe. I wish I could do that all the time and not rely on myself. But we're growing, and he's teaching us. And there's room to trip and fall because he picks us up every time. So that is the power of prayer. What is the power of united prayer then? If prayer is our main weapon in spiritual warfare, if that is our heavy artillery, what happens when we all begin to pray as one? This is a call to battle. This is a call to stand and fight. This is a call to wake up from our sleep, from our selfishness, from our distractions and go to war. I don't think I have to recount any of the things of 2020 to say enough is enough. And I'm not talking about what's going on in politics, or the media, or education. I'm talking about what the enemy's actually doing. Yeah, his hands are in all that stuff. But I'm, I'm saying enough is enough. What the enemy is doing, these are all broken people all across the board, left and right. This is not a call to wage war against the flesh, but to wage war against the principalities and powers and dark forces in this world. This is a call to war, and the time is now. How many more young people do we have to lose to suicide and overdoses? How many more of our generation are we going to stand by and let the enemy smear them with perversions and confusion and all the issues we're seeing. How long, how much longer are we gonna sit and allow the enemy to drag people to hell? Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Time is now. Otherwise, we'll keep putting it off. It's today. Today is the day to stand and fight in his mighty power. As an army, we are all in God's army. Okay, so let's unpack this a little bit. Joe, we're all in the army. I feel like You and a couple other people are going to run ahead and you're just like, you're just going berserk. Yeah, it's time to put pause on that that, because that's not going to work. That's not an army. I think this text here with Peter and John really helps us understand how to engage the enemy and how to wage war. So when the battle's coming... When it's wartime, what do military officers, what do the generals do before they attack? They get intel. They send out reconnaissance. They assess the situation. What is the enemy doing? Well, let's look at what's going on with uh, Peter and John. In this text, they've just come back to the church and there's this little prayer meeting going on and then they've just... They've come back. It's been a couple of rough days. And they're, they're telling everybody what just happened. Peter's like, guys, we, we were coming to the, to the evening prayer meeting. For them, it was 3 o'clock, not 6.30. We're coming to the 3 p.m. prayer meeting. And on our way, you know you know that beautiful gate we all walk past every day? Yeah, we were going past that, and there was this guy sitting there. Yeah, you know the guy? Yeah, he always been there for 40 years. Yep, that guy. Well, he wanted some money, and I didn't have any. Uh, and I told him that, but I said, here, I'll give you what I have. Get up and walk. And once not you know it? Jesus healed him, and he got up and walked. I mean, awesome. And... Then everyone's like gathering around and like, oh my goodness, you guys are amazing. And Peter's like, guys, I told them, uh uh-uh. I said, no, this is, not. you think we are powerful and mighty? This has nothing to do with us. This has everything to do with Jesus. Jesus? Yeah, remember, Jesus was the one that you guys killed. (laughs) Uh, uh. Yeah, he was, the you know, you had Barabbas, you let him go, the murderer, you let him go. But Jesus, you, you killed him, remember? And then we saw him come back to life. Uh, can you believe that? And, and so we are now uh, doing this work in him, by his power. This has nothing to do with us. And all the people are like, oh, wow, whoa, this is, this is incredible. And then some of the Pharisees came along, and they're like, they see what's happening, and they're like, oh... Peter, John, this, this is done, and let's go, we're going to go to prison tonight because we've got to take you to the Sanhedrin tomorrow. This is, this is a no-go. The Pharisees were terrified that they were losing control of their Jewish people. 5,000 of the Jews, of the Israelites, came to know Jesus. So their numbers were out of 5,000, became to be part of the believers, the believing and uh, so the Pharisees are like, "No, this is this is not good. We're losing control of our people. You guys in prison." So then the next morning, Peter and John before the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and religious leaders, and they're all like, "This message about Jesus, you're done. Like you cannot say this anymore. You can't say his name at work. You can't say his name." When you're teaching, you can't say you can't say his name. No, you're, you cannot talk about Jesus anymore. And Peter's like, "Do uh, you think I'm going to be afraid of you? No, I, I'm not afraid of you. I fear the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to do what He's telling me to do. I'm sorry, you could do whatever you want to me, but I'm not afraid of you because I I know I know." The, my mighty Lord. And uh, everyone, the the Pharisees are like, this is no good. And they didn't know what to do because everyone was like supportive of Peter and John. And so they just had to let him go. And so now we're at the text and Peter and John are telling them all this. And this is the assessment. It's not that, as it says, it's not that Pontius or Herod, like, yeah, they're trying to silence it, but it was like, this is what the enemy is doing. This is what the enemy is doing. It wasn't, it was here, this is what's happening. The Pharisees, the enemy is using them to try and silence the spread of the gospel, and so this is what the enemy is doing. This is the assessment. The enemy is trying to shut down the spread of the gospel, and, uh, uh, so now it is time to go to battle. It's time to go to war. So, part two or step two after assessing is engaging the enemy. They have a plan. They assess what's going on, what the enemy's doing, and they know what they need to do to stop the enemy. They engage the enemy. They and what did they do? They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Their engagement of the enemy was not to go toe-to-toe with Herod, Pontius, the Pharisees, the unbelieving Jews. It was not flesh and blood. They, They didn't turn to warfare in the physical. And then even in the spirit, they weren't... They weren't going toe-to-toe to to the enemy. They went and prayed to God. They they weren't trying to attack all the demonic stronghold. They weren't weren't going after that. They said, they went to God. God, you've heard these threats. You know what's going on. You know what's going on. Come and fill us with your presence. Come. Come. And so that we would speak boldly about Jesus. So that we wouldn't be hindered. So that we wouldn't back down. And come and heal us. Come and heal our land. And God, stretch out your arm and perform signs and wonders. All of this performing signs and wonders and healing is about the advancement of the gospel. It's about the kingdom moving forward. It's about the kingdom of God reclaiming rightful authority and reign. It's not about that wrong person in office or that right person in office. It's not about The right school board administrator or curriculum or any of that stuff. Though that all it matters. I'm not saying that doesn't matter, but it's not about that. It's not about that. It's a distraction. It's a Trojan horse. Together they raise their voices in prayer to God. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for. This is the beautiful mystery of relationship with Jesus. That as we spend time with him, as we're in his presence, as we let him take us From glory to glory, our hearts begin to look and sound and beat like his. So the things that we're asking for are not our selfish needs and desires, though he takes care of all those. He wants us to bring those to him. But our prayers become less and less concerned about what we need or want, and even actually really need, but about what is on his heart. And I've just so, and I'm sure so many of us experience this. The more we become concerned about what God cares about, he just takes care of all that other stuff. Right? It's not like we have to even be worried or concerned. He takes care of it. That's his promise. Peter's like, Jesus, we gave up everything to follow. Yeah, Peter, just chill. Whatever houses you gave up, whatever, you, you're going to get ten times as much. Don't worry. I'm sure he didn't say it condescendingly like I just did. but Maybe. We just need to get our hearts aligned with his. And he gives us the desires of his heart. His heart is to see everyone come to know him. And so that is the church's mission, right? That's the assignment that everyone would come to know Jesus and that none should perish. It's not for the chosen few. It's for everybody that chooses him and says yes to him. He, he chose us all since the foundations of the earth. We just need to say yes to his knocking and open that door. Rise up and pray. There's something about boldness that is stunning to an unbelieving world. We've all seen confidence and arrogance and ego. There's nothing stunning about that. It's disgusting. It's repulsive. We're all like, yeah, hot shot, Okay. But there's something beautiful and, and stunning about humble confidence. I mean, these, these guys are uneducated. And Pontius and Eric are like, yeah, these guys are not. They are speaking with authority. And we don't know what is going on there. You know, in our book, they're dumb as a box of rocks. But how they're talking is incredible. I mean, there's something stunning When God takes the foolish things of this earth and uses them to make the wise foolish or the those intelligent of themselves foolish. They called out, they engaged God to fight their battle. They called for signs and wonders. God, stretch out your hand. It wasn't about the signs and wonders. It was about, God, come and do what only you can do. Come and do what only you can do. We can't do any of this. Not in our own strength. Not in our flesh. We need you. Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. Look, none of us know how to battle well. He's the one that trains us. Yes, we can get better and we can learn some maneuvers and some positions and all, you know, tactics. Great, great. I'm all for that. But it's not about those things. It's about him training us and, and, and teaching us. And he's the one that is strong in us. We're weak, but he is strong. And he makes us strong when we are trusting in him. Again, it comes back to knowing that we are his righteousness and it's only because of the blood of Jesus that we are righteous. So, we assess the battle, we engage the battle, or we engage the enemy in battling, and then we reap a harvest. As they prayed, what happened? It wasn't just this great prayer meeting and they all left and it was like, okay, that was nice and see you next week, 630. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. God came, poured out a spirit, and literally shook that place. I, I didn't think to share this in the first service, but I, I've experienced that one time in my life. I was nine, eight, nine, ten, 10, and I, I was at a Carmen concert, if you know Carmen. And uh, we were at the Rosemont Horizon. It's not the Rosemont Horizon anymore. This is down in Chicago. And I don't know how, I can't remember if it was the champion or the standard or which, which album he was touring and I can't remember what song had just finished. And I don't know if there's 10, 20,000 people in there. It is It is packed. I don't know what it holds. But as everyone cheered and praised God and lifted their voices, that whole cement, concrete building shook. Like, I remember that. Being nine years old and the, the building is shaking. I don't think 10,000 people cheering can make a cement building shake. I don't know, maybe. People are like, "Oh, the Holy Spirit came and it shook." That sounds that sounds Old Testament. No, that's New Testament. That's New Testament the holy spirit comes and shakes us up and wakes us up and breaks off all the things holding us and restricting us and tying us up and he could shake this building to the ground if he wanted to god would you shake us and all the things that need to be shook into the ground There was a shaking and a great outpouring. And they all were filled with this Holy Spirit. And all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. This is a little bit of inference, but I I think it's right. You be the judge. The fact that this is in here, that it's saying that all the believers were in one, were one in heart and mind, and they all began to share their possessions. This idea of unity and generosity happening when the Holy Spirit poured out. I don't know if they were that unified or generous before. I mean, I'm sure on some level, kind of a lot like us. Like we're, we're we we want to be unified. We we want to love each other, but please don't hurt me and and. Sheep bite, and I've been hurt, and so, like, I want to love you, but I'm not sure. And you have this idea to go this direction, and I have this idea to go this direction. And, like, this is my thing, and but it says that they were of one heart and one mind, and they didn't hold any of their possessions too tightly, they shared everything. Isn't that the fruit of the kingdom? When God shows up, there's unity and generosity. And this isn't an accusation or that we're doing anything wrong, but I think, I think we can cross that line into unity and in one heart and one mind and generosity like we haven't experienced. I'm not saying we get one bank account and, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking that crazy. But we can do it differently than the world tells us how to do things. We can live in the kingdom right now. And I'm telling you, I don't live like I'm in the kingdom most of the time. But I want to. I want to. I want to be in the promised land. I want to have the things that he's promised, the peace, the joy, the land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That is the fruit of the battle. That is the harvest we reap for ourselves and our family. But even more than that, Jesus is reaping his harvest. He's reaping the reward of his suffering. That every single soul that is on the edge of eternal death, he is calling out to. Until the very last moment, he's knocking, he's knocking. And how will people hear if we don't go and say anything to them? The harvest came in, the lost were found. It's time. Otherwise what, what else are we doing? what else are we doing with our time? I mean, I, I'm telling you, I love bike riding. The worship team, you guys can start coming up. Pastor Nathan and J- Jason Jensen and Mike here and I, we, we all biked up to Door County, 220 miles. I love biking. That was so much fun. And, and it was torturous and amazing. God gives us those beautiful things to do when we're just satisfied and with him. He's blessing out on um, my family in incredible ways, how he's taking care of me. I am so grateful for all those things. But I'm not living for that. Mostly, I, I can't tell you I'm not selfish. That would be a lie. I'm idealistic. I want to live in perfection. But the truth is, it's not about perfection. It's about Purity. Again, coming back to his righteousness. It's his righteousness that makes us pure. We're not perfect. yet. one day we will be, but we're not. But we can be pure. We can be pure. So let's go to battle. Let's go to battle. Let's assess... The land what's I mean what's happening here in Madison? I mean maybe that's a can I mean we know what's happening in Madison. We don't need to talk about those specifics at the moment. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of getting beat up by the enemy? I I am. You're like, "Joe, how can I go to war? How can I go how can I go to war when I'm losing my job. I haven't worked in a year. My uh, my wife and I are splitting up. My my kids sick. I mean, I have all my own battles. I just I want to throw this out there. And again, you be the judge. There are principalities functioning in this city from the enemy of darkness that are sending out assignments of darkness into all of our lives. And if we unify in, the, in prayer and in war and call on God and He comes and destroys that principality, I would say most of the assignments on our life would shrivel up and die. Amen. Because we've taken out the poverty spirit. We've taken out the manipulative, controlling spirit. We've taken out the spirit of humanism. All of those things functioning in this region can be destroyed by his mighty power. I'm not saying that we're not going to still have battles. But man, let's get those giants taken care of and then and then I think a lot of the other stuff begins to dry up. Well, Joe, uh, you are clearly army in referring to Pastor Tom, his revelation and teaching on in the church, there's army, there's school, there's hospital, and uh, um, what's the one? Family. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, I'm not in family much. <laughs> army. There are different seasons at different times. We had a day away, and all the pastors were talking, and we're like, "Okay, I'm in this, and I'm in that, and and the, the, there's your major one, and then kind of your minor one." I'm like, "I'm army, hospital, boom." Yeah, we know your army, Joe. Just settle down and let someone else talk now. Okay. And, and one of the pastors like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of family and hospital, and, and I, we've been talking about army a lot lately and going into the land, and I don't know, and, and how long are we going to be in this season? And, I, and I'm like, friend, I love you. I've been waiting ten years for this season. We've been in family for ten years, which is great. I needed that. Clearly, I didn't even remember what the camp was. But I have been longing to function how I've been designed to function. I have longed to battle in war. I'm like, for ten years, I've just been waiting to do something. (laughs) Settle, Joe. Yep, I need to settle. At all. but here is what I felt like the Lord said about those four camps in different seasons, in different times there's a season for everything and this is the season for war and when we're in a season of war the camps, all the camps begin to change the army goes to the front lines and attacks the hospital becomes boot camp Or, I'm sorry, the school becomes boot camp and starts to train everyone how to fight. The hospital becomes a military hospital and begins to take care of all the patients, all the people that are wounded and sick, to get them back out fighting. And the family takes care of the men, women, and children that can't fight which is a huge, huge role. We're not all designed and called to go to the very front line. We're all called to be a witness. We're all called to be in the army of God. But we all have different functions and roles. The power of unified prayer is being of one heart and one mind. Not that we all rush the front line and attack. The power in unified prayer is that he pours out his spirit and we become bold and confident in who we are in him, filled with his Holy Spirit. It's not all about all of us becoming warriors. It's about all of us waking up and becoming the part of the body fully alive, fully functioning that he placed us as and designed us to be. We all need each other. Let's stand up and let's pray. Lord, we we ask for the very same thing that your early church believers were asking for. You see all the things the enemy is doing. You know all the threats and all the tactics. And we are asking you to come and pour out your spirit so that we would speak boldly to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to people at the grocery line, to people in the movie theater, to people at the water park, to people at the gas station. That you would empower us so beyond anything we could do on our own. And we are calling out that you would stretch out your hand and heal us and heal this land. And that you would move and perform signs and wonders. That the lost would come into the kingdom. Lord, you care more about this than all my passion and excitement because you so loved the world that you sent your one and only son that whoever would believe in would not perish but would be given eternal life. Anyone that would believe, God, you desire all to know your will is that none would perish. Would you give us great boldness to be your witness? We are all not part of the fivefold ministry. Most of us in the body are, are parts out and touching in society and all around in all different arenas. Empower us, Lord. Empower us. Shake us and pour out your spirit that we would be bold that we would not sit back anymore, that we would not wait for someone else to pray or speak, but that we would speak the things you put deep in our heart and that you would make us one heart and one mind, which unite us and cause us to be generous. And Lord, we just... Declare your goodness over this city. That this is your city. This is your home. And we just ask you to come and destroy every stronghold and every principality. And we just declare, Lord, we will not rest. We will not stop until every soul knows you. That not one would go away. That not one would receive or experience eternal death, that all would come to know your saving grace and receive eternal life. So come, Lord, and breathe upon us. Wake us up and unify us, not in our own strength, not in our own zeal, but in your mighty power. Would you do great things just as we go about our normal life a normal day. lord you are great and we cry out to you you are god and we are not we give you praise and today we make a line in the sand and we say today no more no more backing down no more silence we stand in your mighty power and we cry out to you god we cry out to you arise and move Arise and and stand and destroy the schemes of the enemy. Release your angel armies and destroy the principalities of darkness. Destroy the schemes. Destroy them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Go with boldness. Go and share about Jesus' love. Go and share with many people that Jesus loves them and died for them. Be bold and be yourself empowered by Jesus. Amen.